Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Hey guys, welcome into the podcast. Mike here. Thanks for being a part of the Behind the Racket podcast. Noah will join us here in just a couple of seconds with our guest this week, Tara Moore. And happy March to all of you. Hopefully some of your family has gotten vaccinated, somebody in your household vaccinated, maybe you're vaccinated. Congratulations. Hopefully you guys are are hoping to turn the corner here and we're headed towards something a little bit more positive not only just in the global life if you will but also on the tennis side as well we have tara moore with us here this week she's 28 years of age career high for her at 145 currently 219 in the world she is a brit and she has been a part of the itf's world tennis tour player panel over the last several months since middle of last year Last week, Tara and I had a little bit of a discussion because there was a, a infographic that was posted about just a lack of opportunity for players ranked in that 150 to about 250 range, specifically the ITF 60Ks or 80Ks, which are equivalent to men's challengers. So we wanted to bring her on the show this week to talk about that inequality as well as just a, a complete lack of opportunity for women's players right now and why that's such a challenge. So Noah joins me, and here is our interview with Tara Moore. Tara, you and I exchanged a, a tweet or two last week uh, talking about just the lack of opportunity, um, specifically on the women's side. And I, I that's kind of where we want to go here. Um, but I, I guess I kind of wanted to start with this, just this idea of what it's been like for you. You and Noah are at similar rankings points um, in terms of the ATP versus WTA. What's the last year been like for you generally in terms of opportunity and, and the ability to play and just get out there? Yeah, I mean, I think th obviously the ATP and the WTA, ITF circuit have a different kind of they have different kind of problems they both have problems they both need to change they both need to sort of bring their like bring their level up to what it should be now with professional sports um i think the more the more i've looked into it because i never looked into the men's side of the game until recently because i was like okay i've never obviously never played the men's side um and i don't really have an, that big of an interest watching tennis so it's kind of just been recently like obviously Noah and i had a little bit of um had a little bit of history with trying to start like a player's kind of 
union-ish. But I think for me in the women's tennis right now, what the men have done so well is supporting the lower ranking uh, the lower rungs of tennis. So you have like the 20, the 15s, the 25s, which, okay, yeah, they're the the very bottom of the bottom. And, and those are kind of like your stepping stones to your challenges, your men's challenges. Whereas women, you don't have that. You have 60s, 80s, and 100s. And I, I was looking at some stats and it we have less than 20 of those uh, the, the last year and a half. So that's the kind of problem that we're seeing on the women's side of the game. Um, and also just that, no one wants to speak up for it. So I'm, I'm sure that if you're top 100 right now, you've at least played one or two ITF tennis uh, tours at some stage in your career. Mm-hmm. And they know there's a problem because I've spoken to top 100 players, top 100 female players, and they know there is a problem, but they're just unwilling to say anything that might help. I, I guess it might help their, uh, like their opponents. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that I can kind of go from there. You know, we're, we're during this pandemic right now. And again, you know, we've worked on a few different things and there's so many different directions you can take it, but what is the next step right now? Like, where do you feel, you know, during this pandemic, everybody's like, well, be careful. And is it stopping? Are we taking a break from tennis? What is the next step and where do we go? Well, I, I've had some rumbling on the men's side of them actually thinking about stopping for a while again because they're just not happy with the prize money situation which i can understand it it, it is drastically dropped since covid has started again uh, since i mean the pandemic started um but for me i don't see women doing that it's not Mm -hmm. something that a big group of women would do it's definitely not something the top women would do which is who we would actually need to do that if it was something that we were going for i think the, the problem that I see is, is that there are so many lower ranked girls, you know, everyone ranked outside 150 right now, they're all unhappy. Like there's not one player who's, who's happy with the schedule, not ha- one person happy with how little we, we actually have to play, but they're not willing to work together and sort of uh, push out a unified message. So it's, it's sort of like, I'm tweeting one thing, uh, two other girls are tweeting a different thing and it, it just kind of doesn't mash up. So from my point of view, what I'm trying to do now is speak to a big group of girls, get them interested in obviously and in, in understand what's happening right now. Yeah, because even in a normal time without COVID, we have a problem anyways. It, it's not just COVID. COVID has just amplified this problem. So I think where a lot of the girls right now are seeing the problem because of COVID, they need to understand that this has happened. This has been happening for the last 5, 10, 15 years. And we actually need to change the fundamentals of the ITF tour in order to make change. Yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to get to because uh, it was Anna K. Forever who had that that tweet with the graphic, uh, Tara, that just yep. basically it said, you know, it was January through through Miami. Um, on the women's side, I think there are 30 events, um, I believe four, 30 events at the highest level, 14, 25 Ks, and only three what the men would say are challengers. Uh, on the other side, for the men, it's 52 at the highest level, 25 are, are challengers, and then 9 or 25K. So there's just that, again, around the 200 ranking, which is where both of you are, that's so difficult to really schedule and figure out. Can you talk about what it's been like in terms of um, the talent that are at some of the the 60Ks that you've seen, Tara, and then as well at the 25Ks and how good those fields are? I mean, so... 
back a couple of years ago when I first started playing when you would play a 25k you would be kind of looking at 600 five 600 being in main draw and and that would be a strong field for a 25k now you're looking at five 600 not getting in even to qualifying of a 25k for women um I mean if we look at like two weeks ago there was a 25 in Orlando Anna Samova ended up playing she's 31 in the world right now and okay yeah she probably just was using it for matches etc but how is that allowed how, how is that not like something that that is is just like banned because not only they have all these WTAs going on right now we can't even go into Australia even if we wanted to just go sign in and play a WTA we can't even go into Australia right now so they have all of these tournaments right now out in Australia obviously Anis Mova is a different case like she had a whole other different thing but I'm saying for the majority of top players right now they have so many opportunities they have pretty much the same amount of opportunities as they did pre-pandemic so what I'm trying to say is, and, and what I've suggested 10, 15 times to the ITF and the WTA is, is put a limit on it. You know, something like if you're top 150, you can't play a 25K. I feel like if you're 150 in the world, why are you paying, playing a 25K? You know, there's, there's, you don't move up in points. They're using it for matches and women just will play and play and play and play and play until the, until the cows come home. <laughs> so wait, um, you know, on the men's side, there is there is talk about you know certain stopping from playing with the situation that's going on. Um, you said the women would not do that, you know. With you know, I, and I completely agree. I mean, we joked about this pre-pandemic, Mike and I, about how we go into challengers, and if you're in qualifying, you're grinding every match out the first round, where you could have used to you know look into like the third round and see where I was going to be. Um, so now that the money's basically cut in half, I mean, Miami, I think is 65% now. Um, why wouldn't they stop? Is there just no other option right now? Do, does it make them look weak? I'm curious what the women are thinking in this direction. Well, no, I think the women outside of the grand slams right now would stop. I think they would be like, you know, there is such a big problem right now that we would stop and we would put our foot down and we would strike, etc. But the top hundred girls wouldn't and that's where the wta are listening that's what the wta the media the press the fans that's where the interest is whereas you guys are very unified like if if you know 15 20 of you are unhappy outside of top 100 the top 100 will be like okay let's try and help them you know they're my friends i've known them since juniors etc etc with women's it's just like you're unhappy i'm happy though i'm earning money right now so i don't really care and it's really sad because they're not hurting like obviously it's great for them they can earn money and they're, they're earning a living but it's hurting the future of the sport and that's what i don't think they understand and that's one thing that i don't think they see what you're, you're part of the itf um player panel right now what what has that discussion been like in terms of how you guys are hoping to um help players at the 200 plus rankings points um, especially when you do have that idea of an ITF ranking plus a, a WTA ranking? I think the only way I can describe it is, is that the ITF are actually trying. There's not much they can do. Their hands are tied. A lot of the uh, ITF tournaments that are scheduled on the, on the calendar are, are very much reliant on federation funding and sponsors because there's not much interest there's not much fan interest there's not not much sponsorship at that level you know just as there isn't as at the atp either i mean there's a lot of betting but 
besides that, there's not, you know, there's not one guy who you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to follow him. And he's just going to play challenges for the next couple of years. Like you hope they move up. So it's kind of an odd bracket of tournaments. And what I kind of suggested was why during, especially during the pandemic, why don't the WTA just help out and, and host a couple like hybrid WTA ITF 60, 80, 100 K events. Um, and it would be a great kind of test to see if it could work in the future as well. I think, you know, our biggest question and, you know, the one in Orlando was, a, you know, it came out and you only had one tournament in Orlando. I mean, this is a place that we feel like can hold six tournaments in a row, men and women. And, and we should have those kind of bubbles, you know, looking even at challengers. And I haven't looked at all the prize money cuts for ITF and WTA, but has to be similar there's really no money to be had. Like people are breaking even at best at a lot of these challengers when you're going to one-off tournaments in, you know, what did Mackie just win nurse Sultan or whatever. And in, in Kazakhstan, you know, it's just, you look at this in Italy and you're going to one-offs and you're not making money. Um, you know, can we come back from this? You know, if we, let's say, hopefully we get past this pandemic, it's the fall. Where do we see tennis ending up? I think this highlights just how, how broken the sport is because even before the pandemic you would have challenges um itf or men's challenges just in random places mm -hmm. there was no correlation to the calendar like atp and wta you kind of see like oh you go from asia to north america to europe etc but with challenges and itf you just kind of go oh we'll put one on in uzbekistan we'll put one on in you know india we'll put like it's they don't they don't care because <laughs> It's just like they're hoping to put on as many tournaments as they possibly can. Wherever there's money, we'll go. <laughs> right, right. Literally. And, yeah. And I think obviously like the women's sides really struggled with Asia shutting down. Right. Um, the men, obviously, like it's they're, they're less reliant on that kind of sponsorship. But for the women, it's, it's a huge part of women's tennis. And I think that one of the things that we keep suggesting is, is more fluidity on the calendar, having instead of having one tournament in Orlando, for example, and then having the next week in Arizona and then going back to New York, like it doesn't make any sense. Like they should be able to at least go one part of the country across the other, which will help women. I think men too, but women, especially because we don't get our hotels paid for at challenger level. We, we just, we have to pay for everything out of pocket. So if we can at least save on some flights, I mean, that would mm -hmm. help at least, I think. Um, obviously you're familiar with the BTR tour. Um, you've, you've seen that there are all these, these UTR uh, events now. Um, when it comes to the idea of as well, there's the ITF ranking, which is a separate ranking. Do you, do you think we're at a point where there might be some validity towards really having a separate continue just an entirely separate tour altogether i don't know if rival is necessarily the right word but truly like a like a, a separate league that maybe can then flow into say the atp and wta level it sounds great but will the itf and the wta and the atp support it that's there no there's no chance because right now they have complete they have they have monopolized tennis they you have one tour you aspire to play on and that's it there it's nothing it's not like uh it's not like golf or basketball or 
even soccer you look at they have like different rungs of different leagues and you can play in different leagues you know based on your ranking based on your level etc but with tennis it's so focal on grand slams and and how would you how would you merge utrs with points grand slams etc like I, I it would be a great it would be great i think it would it's a great thought but i don't know how it could materialize so besides you know let's take out another tour for example what do you do you know you're the commissioner of tennis we asked we had this question a few times actually a few months ago we did a you know five minute interviews with people you're the commissioner of tennis where do you take it right now um i would uh minimize the schedule i think the the having tournaments 12 months a year is just not it's not it's not it's not good for any players like physically uh, mentally you know anything like that and plus then you would have a condensed period of time where you would have so many different tournaments people could play multiple different uh, tours and it's free and it's fair not free and it's fair because you know that these six months or eight months or nine months or whatever there's tournaments and then after that you have an off season you can you can give yourself time to travel and and maybe in that off season creating some sort of uh some sort of team event Mm. that like it's kind of like a yeah an exhibition like you know how they do with the um with the what is it called the world team tennis so you'd have like a world team tennis at the end of the year where you would have like you know their their best players etc and they would they would play exhibition matches just to keep people like playing and stuff like that but you would have a condensed year that's what i would definitely do I, I I want to talk about you for a second. Are are you are you still enjoying this? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, if you <laughs> if you ask me this once a day, <laughs> literally you, yeah, once yeah, a day, like I, I'm, I'm, talking talking to Noah about it, I, I know how unhappy he is half the time. Are are you enjoying it? It it comes and goes. I think the one thing with tennis that I do enjoy is is the freedom of of we can make our own schedule. We can pick and choose when we want to do stuff and when we should do stuff it's not like a job where you have to go turn up every single day punch a card in leave and etc so that's what i really enjoy about tennis what i don't enjoy about tennis is the the crap that comes along with it like especially now like being on the itf players panel has been a nightmare Mm. just because it's added i mean we're doing this for free like obviously i thought I could help make a change. And that's why I initially wanted to do it because I think that I'm probably a lot more outspoken than 95% of the women's players. Um, But players come to you at all hours of the day, messaging you like this, this, and this, which is great because they feel like they can speak to me. But how sad is it that it's taken players um, put for like putting forward their time out of just basically you know, the kindness of their heart for people, for players to actually get answers. I feel like they had no answers before this. So, whereas one side of me is like, okay, I really want to try and make changes. I really want to try and help, et cetera. One side of me is like, why have I taken on this, this, Mm. this burden (laughs) almost, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's, yeah, the tennis side of it is the easiest part of it. Like, Mm. I think if you just had to play tennis and I'm sure if you ask Noah the same thing, we would do it, love it, play it, do it, you know, it'd be easy. It's not just that anymore, unfortunately. 
Well, you asked Mike, I always find a way to be difficult. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is an interesting thing and and you've been probably better than me about it, that you're still working kind of within the system. And I don't know if I told you this explicitly, I obviously spoken to Mike about this and in other interviews where I kind of call it a lost cause. I feel like there are so many moving parts and so many egos. Like, you know, nobody understands that, like, you know, we talk about the Grand Slams and ATP. Like, these are all different entities that somehow have their own power. And we saw it during the pandemic. Like, Roland Garros is like, we're going to September. See you guys. And not even a thought, not even a question. How do you still have this <laughs> positivity where you're still fighting inside the system? Because, no, if I wasn't the one speaking out, who would? Mm. Which which women player right now is like I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm special I don't think that I've particularly done much in the sport of tennis I don't think that I've reached you know like levels that a lot of these other girls have I don't think the sport has given me much as much as it has given a lot of these other players but at the same time it's given me something and what am I going to leave for the next generation? Like, this isn't even for me. I'm old. Like, I don't need to do this. (laughs) Like, it's like it, I don't need to do this, you know, but how can I sit here and go, okay, yeah, let me just watch tennis go to pot. Like it's going to go to crap. Like it's just going to be so bad. And here you go. Next generation. Like you're welcome. We did absolutely nothing, you know? So if I wasn't speaking up, who would? And women's tennis is already like, you know, not as popular as men's tennis. So <laughs> I don't know. I was, yeah, I mean, and, and you brought this up quickly and, and this is one of the last things we'll say about this. You know, you have top players with, you know, family members that are lower ranked. Why we, why not say something, you know, what, where, you know, where, I, you know, they've, I know they have a lot of, on their plate, they're top in the world. You know, we can only imagine what it's like to be, a top 10 player. And I get that, but at the same time, you know, this is, this is their family. We have them on both sides, actually. Still, it doesn't seem like that's at the forefront of a lot of their decision-making. I think I'm, I'm guessing, I'm assuming you're talking about the whole like Naomi Osaka thing. And, and so the thing is, is that with Naomi, I completely understand she has a different fight right now. She's, she's very active uh, with her, um, with on social media with you know the black lives matter protest which is obviously a a huge part of what's happening right now and i think that she's using her profile and platform to to really bring great interest into this um and i think from a lot of their points of view especially like the top players they they're in a different what sorry they're in a different world they don't need they don't need to sort of tennis is not as big a problem as everything else right now like that that's that's unfortunately how it is you know there's so many other things there's covid there's uh you know black Lives matter there's um inequality everywhere and i think that's what is happening right now and and maybe for tennis it needs it's taking a back burner right now it's taking like a a, um kind of like the 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 back step of it but i think they're almost so focused on these big issues that tennis for them, because there's no problem for them right now in tennis, it's fine. So they're almost like, well, there's no problem for me. So I'm going to really focus on these big issues instead of focusing on, on tennis. That's the only way I can, I can make, make it make sense in my head. 
Well, I think I, I know that, you know, in, in corresponding with you last week, I think both of us agree just like the, the, the opportunity is what always has been, you know, for me and Noah and I have talked about it. That's what's always made tennis so unique for me, that you have the opportunity always to take yourself to that next level. And I think it's just been, you know, that that graphic uh, last week was just so stark in realizing that you you just don't have the opportunity right now. And that part is that that hurts to see. Um, so I guess I kind of wanted to focus at the at the end here on what is it, what is it that you're looking forward to over the next few months? You've got all these this political stuff on the tennis side to, you know, to worry about. And I know that um, I, I know I'm looking forward to seeing some there are some challengers in the states here that are going to be coming up now. And I'm I'm excited about that. What are what are the things you're looking forward to here, to over the next few months? And on a pop. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think for me, like personally, like I'm just looking forward to be being able to travel again. I think mm. that's been such a dampener on everything. Like I we're so used to just packing up our suitcases, uh, pulling our passports out and flying somewhere across the world, you know. And and that's been that's not been possible the last two years. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to. And and from a tennis side of you point of view, I'm probably most looking forward to the change that that has been promised by the ITF and the WTA. I don't know about the ATP, but they have said to us that things are supposed to get better. So I'm hoping, and I've got like every single extremity cross that it's going to change. Um, but I think a lot of people will say that I've got blind hope. So <laughs> yeah, I don't want to uh, attest to the change, but I will speak about the fact of how almost dependent I've come become on our lifestyle, like the anxiety <laughs> of not traveling. Like, it's so funny. Like I'm packing for trips that don't really need a tennis racket uh, and just don't even know how to pack. Like, it's just like, I'm like, what am I even doing right now? And I can only imagine what like a Nadal OCD looks like off the court, but like, it, it makes me almost feel uncomfortable. And, and those are the funny things where like, Oh, it'd be nice to travel again, which I would, you know, like even, even though I got so used to it, I didn't love necessarily taking trips every week, but got so accustomed to it. I don't even know how to function anymore. I think you just kind of get sick of like seeing your four walls at home. <laughs> you kind of really appreciate like what we had before. I think that's like the main thing. I think that's what most people like players are saying to me anyways. Yeah, and he has to look at me every once in a while, and that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible. And thing. you didn't, you didn't get to see it, but he did have a blue mohawk that yeah. he grew out, fully wow. dyed, yeah. covered. So oh, that, was, my, that was my, really my daughter cool really one. liked it, and that was the important oh, yeah. part. So. You could see you keep saying that, but it doesn't change the fact that you are a forty-year-old man with a mohawk. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, uh, Tara, thank you so much. Um, you know, I. I it's one of those things that I think really needs to be brought to light. And we're really happy to have you as, as that voice and, and joining us on the podcast. That really meant a lot. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you behind the racket.